Hi, and welcome back to the Digital Sociology Podcast with me, Chris Till. Uh, so this is a series where I'm conducting a series of interviews with people con- doing research around digital society and digital culture. Uh, if you want to have a look back and a listen to my first episode in this series um, with Mike Saker uh, talking about locative media, you can get that on my SoundCloud page and through the iTunes uh, podcast app and various other places. Um, and you can find that through the links on my website, this is not a sociology.blog. Uh, and you can find out more and, and, and contact me on Twitter at Chris H. Till. Uh, and today I'm talking to uh, Sean Lincoln. And this interview was recorded in Liverpool when I uh, met up with, with Sean. Um, it's in a cafe, so there's a bit of background noise, um, but I think you can make it out pretty well. Um, if you want to get in contact um, or find out more about Sean, um, she's on Twitter at Sean Lincoln. So here's my interview with Sean. Okay, hi. So I'm, now I'm talking to you, Sean Lincoln. Um, uh, so hi, Sean. Hi there, Chris. Hi. So we're um, we're at the really uh, lovely um, Fact Cafe, which has been uh, in Liverpool, which is kind of a cinema museum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind it's of like space. a multimedia centre. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Which, yeah. So this is uh, lovely. So um, hopefully, um, hopefully there won't be too much background noise here, but I think it'll be okay. So um, I'm talking to um, Sean, who's a uh, senior lecturer at. Um, at Liverpool um, John Moores? Yeah, at Liverpool John Moores um, University, I'm a senior lecturer in media studies currently. Yeah. yeah. And um, you've been doing some work on um, on Facebook, so it's a kind of Facebook timelines project. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that right? So, could you tell me a little bit about what the, the, the main kind of aims of that are? Yeah, okay, sure, yeah. Um, I mean, the project started um, back in 2014, um, myself and my colleague, Dr. Brady Robards, who's at uh, Monash University in Australia. Um, we co-edited a special issue of New Media and Society, which was called 10 Years of Facebook. Um, and we felt that given, you know, that uh, one social network site had been ex- in existence for, you know, for 10 years, um, it was a good time to kind of reflect back and to consider, um, you know, some of the sort of social, political, economic, and so on consequences of, um, you know, the site sort of being around for such a long time. And one of the things that we were sort of particularly interested in as youth sociologists, people who are interested in, in how, um, you know, young people use uh, the media, how they use technology, was, um, you know, what what does this kind of idea of sustained use you know what what does that actually mean and we're you know we've um you know sort of found ourselves at a point where we could you know for the very first time really talk about the sustained use of one particular um social network site um so that's really where the um you know where the the project um began so the facebook timelines project is really exploring how um young people have disclosed their growing up narratives online um so we're working with young people who are in their 20s who will have joined facebook in their early teens um the majority of our participants 
were using some sort of social network site before that, something like Bebo or MySpace. So they had a, a sort of um, a history, if you like, of using um, this technology and then had graduated to um, Facebook in their early teens. And we were particularly interested in that age group. Sorry, there's a bit of a brutal cut here as I had um, a very small recording issue. So sorry about that. People who were ve- who were very unique, really. I mean, these are the kind of you know, in many ways, the sort of pioneers of social network um, use. Um, you know, these are the people who were were learning how these sites work. You know, learning what um, identity means in those contexts. Learning how to navigate. Um, you know, different. Um, you know, uh, uh, Dana Boyd calls the sort of networked um, publics. Um, you know, they were learning how to navigate different types of privacy um, across different platforms. So, um, you know, so we felt that there was, you know, there's there's a lot that we can learn from the from this particular um, age group. So, what we've been um, doing is um, it's a, a sort of qualitative. Uh, research project where we've been combining a more sort of traditional in-depth interview alongside what we've called the scroll back method. So we get our participants to scroll back to their very first post on Facebook, which of course in itself is very interesting yeah, in yeah, terms yeah. of their how they react, their physical response, um, feelings of sort of embarrassment, cringing at what they've written, um, and they then, um, you know, um, we look chronologically through the disclosures that they've made, you know, sort of on, on the site from um, from that point. And our participants work with us as co-analysts, really, of their own digital traces. They're with us, um, telling us, you know, giving us the context, really, for those um, for those disclosures. So that's it's really. I think the approach you took is really interesting because it, it's it's sort of a partly partly longitudinal in mm. a sense. Um, so I mean, the method that you're using is, mm-hmm. is mostly kind of a, an interview, mm-hmm. uh, a semi-structured interview. But in that co-analysis part, it's looking longitudinally over their lives as absolutely, yeah, uh, at yeah. the kind of the data collected by Facebook. So it's there's kind of a mix of methods there, really. Absolutely, yeah. And we've um, um, we've you know we've been sort of. Um, thinking about this quite a lot and whether or not we can actually call this longitudinal research mm. because in many ways this is the stuff of dreams for sociologists who you know who've been um, you know uh, engaging in longitudinal research where you know they've perhaps been visiting um, uh, you know working with a, a, a cohort of, of you know people for a number of years and re-interviewing and all this kind of stuff and all the you know the kind of difficulties that come with that mm. but what we've discovered is that you know from you know in, in a number of instances um, with our participants you know the amount of data that's there about their lives and of course there's a lot of it that they've forgotten about themselves there's a lot of memory work being done on Facebook as well because you know there's there's disclosures that have been made by people you know comments been made by people that they can't remember anymore because they're at high school together and um, all this kind of stuff so that in some um, instances the level of detail that is is there on the site is really you know fascinating it's incredible it, it is really kind of like you know these are real really in-depth archives of these young people's lives but of course the problem is that those 
archives have not been kept for us. Yes. Um, you know, they've they've been kept for a very different audience. They've been kept as a personal record of, of, of somebody's life. So there are some quite interesting ethical mm. dilemmas there as well when the audience sort of shifts in and and changes. Um, how did you or did you find that, that people kind of take care over those archives in some ways in terms of managing them? Mm. Um, editing, mm. including wiping things out, whatever. Did, did that yeah. kind of activity happen? Definitely, yeah. I mean, we've written a piece for um, Journal of Youth Studies recently, oh, okay. which is um, about how critical moments, so things like, for example, um, moving from being a student to becoming a professional, you know, moving into the, to the world of work, how these quite critical moments work as triggers for young people to go back over their personal data. Um, so we give examples in that paper um, of um, medical students who have literally been trained as part of their, you know, um, as part of their preparation for the world of work to, you know, they've been told somebody will do a Google search yeah. for you and they will look at the first two pages that come up and Facebook is likely to be on those first two pages. So we would suggest that you go back over your your um, profile and identify photographs that are perhaps a bit ambiguous, um, you know, if there's any comments that have been made about nights out that suggest that you're perhaps not a very responsible person, you know, that you're, you know, perhaps, you know, I don't know, getting into trouble in, in um, you know, in a particular situation. Um, so anything that appears ambiguous, because of course it's not just employers um, who might look back over, look at, you know, look over profiles. It might be a patient if you're, if you're you know, a doctor. Um, and, you know, if you're working in, you know, a, a, you're a GP, you're working in a local area, you know, the chances are that somebody will know somebody that knows you. And so, you know, the connections to people are so much tighter now through social media. Yeah. That, yeah. And I think one of the things that you highlighted in that was quite a, quite a nuanced um, approach to that. In mm. terms of, um, so getting dressed up and having a drink in a bar mm-hmm. photo is okay, mm. but maybe, yeah, but some more dubious, more kind of boisterous things mm. are not. So there's quite a sort of a balance, and that really made me think about um, sort of the etiquette of social media. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's very much a kind of a um, mm-hmm. a sense of that mm-hmm. of there's certain kinds of unwritten, mm. horribly unwritten rules yeah. of how you do these things in the different contexts mm-hmm. and for different audiences. Yeah, absolutely. And we've learned so much, I think, about sort of social media etiquette, mm. you know, sort of through um, um, through this project. And because as Maybe you these, could write an etiquette book. I know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> etiquette on social, yeah. social networks. Um, but, um, you know... Because these, you know, our participants have literally sort of grown up using um, using Facebook. Of course, they've developed their own practices and their own understandings of what's appropriate and, and what's not. Um, and that can be in terms of an image. It can be in terms of language expression. Um, and um, you know, and learning what's appropriate for a particular context and what's not. And of course. Um, you know, difficulties arise with, with things like tagging, for example. Um, you know, when when somebody's tagged in a photograph that might be particularly kind of, you know, that 
you know, I think you can actually approve that tag now um, yeah. as the as the profile sort of owner. Um, but, but you know, that's a fairly recent development. Um, so there is all, also the case of, of you know um, that our, our participants are also trying to kind of keep their profiles on track a little bit, I suppose, in, yeah. in terms of what they look like and how they're constructed and so on. And I think that, that sort of policing is really interesting and in different groups and of sort of people not getting it as well. And I can't remember if it was the same um, interviewer, interview participant, but there was, there was someone that said about how that they're, um, when they first set up the Photoshop profile, they were mm-hmm. quite young and they did it with their dad's supervision and mm-hmm. he was like, said, oh, you know, yeah. this photo is appropriate because you can't really see your face, this yeah. kind of thing. And then there was, I can't remember someone else or if it was the same person, um, also later um, unfriended their dad mm. because he was doing inappropriate, putting inappropriate mm. things that were too kind of emotional yeah. or personal. Mm. It's like, that's not space for that dad. I don't want to see it mm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- those kinds of, sort of generational shifts are quite interesting, I think, as well. And yeah. um, I think that's something a lot of people experience. Mm. Like, um, actually, the policing goes both ways, yeah, up and down absolutely, the yes, generations. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, it is. It's it's really fascinating. I mean, they they were they're two examples that mm. you've um, um, that you've you've given there. One of the um, of the the participant who set her profile up with her dad, and then you know her dad sort of gave her guidelines on um, you know internet safety as much mm. as he knew, kind of you mm. know sort of back then. Um, and you know they they were sort of that was a set of rules that she did carry with her for quite a long time Mm. but um, you know there was clearly quite a trusting relationship between her her parents and and her to the point at which you know when she was putting later on in her university years you know the first fishbowl you know those big (laughs) gin glasses you know she's sort of talking about pre-drinking and pre-loading and all this sort of stuff and um, you know, there didn't seem to be any kind of um, um, issue there. But then there was the other example that you gave of um, um, a participant who, who did have to um, defriend her um, father because he was making comments that she found upsetting, um, you know, sort of disturbing, difficult to handle. And this, I think, is a really kind of interesting example of, um, you know, that how... Those how contexts have kind of collapsed down. Mm. Um, Facebook isn't just this other world; it's very much kind of underpinning, you know, sort of how how every you know how people are kind of communicating and engaging in everyday life. Um, and we talk about this particularly in relation to um, um, romantic relationships and this idea of going Facebook official. Mm. So you know, if you're in a real relationship, then you have to make it official on uh, on Facebook. But what's you know, and of course you know we get a little laugh whenever we talk about this yeah, at yeah, a conference yeah. or whatever. But um, but there's there's some some really interesting. Um, discussions from our participants about the sort of backstage work that goes on before that that declaration is made you know sort of on the site um, you know because it does legitimate a relationship it does make it official it does make it more serious you know it does demonstrate a particular type of commitment when actually you know off the site the relationship probably isn't you know it doesn't have really any kind of bearing on no. that you know that couple um, but um, but but the fact that it's been taken, it's been shared on a social network site, on a public platform, you know, 
but there have been discussions between a couple about whether or not mm. you know this is, is the right thing to do and sometimes couples don't agree on that you know yeah. one person will be very public about that and somebody else might be quite guarded yeah I think you, you talked about some cases or a, a case where someone one person put it that yeah. they did and mm. another didn't and uh, uh, hadn't um, but also um that kind of seems to be kind of connected to this notion of a uh, shadow post mm. mentioned. Could you say something about that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we're sort of um, really interested in how, um, you know, particularly if there's kind of a, um, I don't know if disagreement's the right word, but there's a, there's a kind of different level of exposure of a, of a relationship by... Um, you know, two people who are in a romantic relationship together, one who's very, you know, upfront, you know, tags that other person in every single post, um, is in a relationship with that person and so on, so it's very clear. Whereas the other one is just, you know, they just are not interested in that level, um, you know, sort of um, um, of exposure. So, but we also felt that it's not always, it's not always that black and white, that there's always these kind of, you know, sort of... Um, grey areas where um, you know there might be an in-joke or there might be you know subtle references made to something which is still connecting people um, but they're not they're not kind of a, a sort of blatant you know sort of public declaration of, of that relationship and that can work this sort of shadowing idea can work, work in other contexts as well so um, you know, for for example, if um, I don't know, say somebody lost a family member, a grandparent, um, their you know their Facebook friends are made up of family members, and they don't want to talk about that on Facebook. Um, but then one of their friends makes a post that says, "Oh, you know, I was really so- sorry to hear the sad news, or something like that." This is not kind of you know, it's not it, it's not obviously flagging up that particular event. But it's kind of, you know, yeah. it's sort of shadowing, um, you know, and mar- marking out that something has happened, yeah. but doing it in a sort of slightly more subtle way. So we're sort of playing around with that that idea a little bit. But it's it's thinking about the kind of, you know, the nuances and the layers and, and the you know the sort of complexities of communicating really on on social network sites. Yeah, and, and thinking about sort of appropriateness and so on. I think that. It's a really interesting idea, and I think that really does that does work, and it's and it's it's also a kind of a way of um, producing a certain kind of intimacy in a Absolutely, in an open space yeah. because it's yeah. like if you don't get what we're talking about, then you're not Absolutely. part of the, yeah. the group or the, this mm. this relationship. Mm. Um, but I think it also connects to I think I remember seeing. Um, Presentation that Mark Zuckerberg did, but I just it was last year, talking about the different levels of the Facebook family, yeah. the Facebook wall, the Facebook mm. groups, Facebook Messenger, yeah. WhatsApp, Instagram, all these, things, and how they mm. they, have, they play different roles, yeah. and they're almost for different groups and for different purposes. Yeah. And I think that seems to be something that actually, particularly probably younger people mm. who are on all of these things, mm. do that quite. Um, in quite nuanced ways, mm-hmm. actually, there's certain things that's appropriate for your WhatsApp messenger group. Yeah. There's certain things that are appropriate for a Facebook post. Yeah, this absolutely. kind of thing. Yeah. And, yeah. and that kind of that's mm. almost kind of a bridge between that. Mm. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. I mean, I think um, so. If you you know if you if you say happy birthday on, on your on the Facebook wall to one of your best mates, that's a real faux pas apparently. Oh really? You know, if you're going to say happy birthday to your friends, you either do it, if they're really close friends, you do it via messenger or you do it 
text message, yeah. WhatsApp, or duh, 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 you could make a phone call <laughs> and actually talk to that person, um, which is you know considered to be one of the kind of most intimate forms of communication. Call, you know yeah. now the phone call. Um, so um, uh, yeah, so so that you know that there are kind of. Um, yeah, there there are uh, uh, very distinct narratives around what's appropriate and what's uh, and what's not, and also, um, uh, you know, sort of um, the for birthdays the kind of collage of pictures is really popular. So I don't know if you've seen this on um, any of your friends' profiles, um, but they're very very interesting. I think because what. Um, what our participants are doing is they're kind of creating these little sort of photo photo um, collages, um, you know, in celebration of things like birthdays. Um, and of course, those photographs are taken a lot of the time from their Facebook archive. So they're going back over their own, um, you know, their own timeline. So this isn't just a kind of, you know, celebrating another year of that person's life, but it's also about celebrating another year on, on Facebook yeah. and actually you know, dipping back into into that archive and then bringing those photographs back together to actually kind of perform you yeah. know, this this sort of particular um, you know sort of particular moment in time. So it's quite it's quite interesting how there's that that level of integration that it, that it's had into into people's lives. Um, absolutely, and I think connected to that is um, that, um, it seems to me that Facebook more and more quite actually intervening into the presentation of self and the presentation of the past. So obviously they just introduced new kind of filters mm-hmm. quite recently, uh, I think possibly through the messaging app and a, a bit like Snapchat mm. filters and this kind of thing. And they do this friendiversary thing yeah. where they do a kind of a, a collage mm. video which is being produced from photos of celebrating mm. 10 years of being mm-hmm. friends with someone, this kind of thing. So it's... Um, I'm not sure what you think about this. It seems to me that they're, 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 they're intervening into that presentation itself in a, in a, in a slightly mm-hmm. more direct way mm-hmm. rather than just being the means for you to yeah. do some photos or some posts and say, why not post Absolutely. this thing? Yeah. You don't need to make it yourself. Mm-hmm. We've done it for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it's potentially a slightly more a slightly more corporatized yeah. version of the presentation itself mm-hmm. through that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that, that started really with... Um, uh, you know when the uh, the Facebook profile became the timeline, um, yeah, and true, yeah. um, you know encouraged uh, users to well the, the data was basically stored year on year, making it much neater, much mm. more kind of you so know, when was that? Um, oh gosh, I'm, I'm it's quite a few, few years, years yeah. ago now. Isn't I it? think yeah. it was 2011, maybe. Yeah. yeah? Um, so um, so that was the f- kind of first. I suppose sort of um, <coughs> software design um, you know or development or whatever that recognised that actually people were not moving off this site you know they were hanging around they were using it for a fairly um, you know sort of lengthy period of time um, there was the um, the year in review which is generated at the end of every year to celebrate you know oh what a fantastic year you've had you know all these things have happened and again that's very much kind of drawing on sort of notions of nostalgia and you know the whole kind of looking back thing um, and then as you mentioned the um, um, the the look back videos um, for um, the um, to celebrate Facebook's 10th birthday um, so it wasn't just about celebrating their birthday but it's about celebrating your time you know sort of on on the site as well uh, so that was a you know 
a collection of images um, that uh, you know that also look back on on your time and um, you know on Facebook and then we've got the friend um, the friendversary or whatever it is it doesn't yeah. roll off the tongue it doesn't quite work at all, no. um, but only celebrates very particular friendships depending on how many likes and things you it doesn't do it for every right. every Facebook yeah. friendship as, as as far as I know no it does um, yeah it seems to be it's quite selective yeah yeah of the sort of al- algorithmic, um, you know, sort of um, elements. Um, so there's that. But so f- I, you know, I think you're absolutely right. Facebook has, has it doesn't. I would suggest that it's never really traded on the cool label. It's mm. never been the cool place to be. Right? It's always just been the place. You know, this is just the place that kind of underpins all your other. Um, you know, sort of social media use, and their marketing has very much been about um, nostalgia, about looking back, about the kind of archival capacity of Facebook. Um, you know, about connection. You know, emphasising you know the, the sort of um, idea that Facebook can keep you connected. Whatever's ha- whatever's happening in your life, you know, it, it will be there. Um, and you know, it, it, so it's it's always been about this kind of, you know, that that yeah. sort of yeah, particularly the the sort of nostalgia that's, element. That, that's kind of interesting, really interesting actually. Um, like about it not really being cool. I've never really thought about that, but I think that's true. And it's it's almost a bit like more sitting itself as like a public utility. Mm, you know, yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah. You, you basically, you need us. Mm. It might not be as cool as, as, mm. as other things, but mm. you need us for that basic social yeah. interaction. And something else which you've mentioned, uh, as or you mentioned in the articles, um, as like an address book mm-hmm. um, mm. and for contacts and this kind of thing. I mean, there were so many of our participants that sort of started off, well, I don't really use Facebook very much mm. now. You know that was their kind yeah. of starting point, and it, so. But actually, yeah, I mean, maybe that was a marker of, of the fact, you know, that it's not, you know, that there are other social network sites that it's 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 more kind of, you know, well, maybe it's cooler actually to talk mm. about being on Instagram or to being on Twitter or whatever. But, you know, having started at that point, I don't use it very much now. Actually, that wasn't true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, that it was that their use was very, very different. And, you know, uh, while they may not be kind of disclosing the amount of information about themselves as they have been in the past, they were still sharing links and videos mm. and content and, and so on, which, you know, have some you know some give some indication of who who the profile you know um, you know who the user is um, and of course um, we're, we're um, Brady and I are writing some stuff at the moment about you know um, what's not said on Facebook and about absences um, and you know um, the decisions that are sort of made around what not what not to disclose because I think that's as interesting as what is actually there. Um, so um, yeah, so, so we're sort of we're, we're kind of thinking about uh, you know about that idea of well, okay, you might not be using Facebook anymore in in terms of how you think about it, but you know there are still particular interactions that you have with the site that that still indicate you, that you're an active 
you know, you're an active user, but you're, you know, you're sort of disclosing in different types of way and so on. So I think there's some really interesting, um, you know, sort of stuff there. And also that um, while the participants might take Facebook vacations, as they like to call them, and deactivate for, for certain periods of time, the majority who have done that will reactivate their um, profiles at some point, purely because it's, you know, a contacts list, a photo album, um, you know, we have participants who stored um, university work on it because mm -hmm. it was just, you know, they knew where to find stuff, everything was there. Um, so they were never going to, you know, they were never going to kind of th think about deleting, you know, deleting those profiles, even if their use was very different. So, whereas, um, you know, sites like MySpace did, I think, you know, become redundant. People just weren't logging into them anymore. It's kind of like this sort of, you know, kind of desolate wasteland, you know, the tumbleweed, you kind of get that imagery, you know, sort of, um, uh, you know, in your head when you think about, you know, think about um, MySpace. And some of them had, I think, occasionally logged back into those sites, but mm. Facebook was still very, you know, still very kind of vibrant in, what, in terms of, you know. What, what do you think is at the basis of, of that? The fact that it has persisted and is still kind of successful in that way. Yeah, it's a really it's a really interesting question. I mean, I think um, initially it was really attractive because um, I think Facebook, um, MySpace, sorry, was seen as being quite clunky in terms mm. of um, you know you could do all this flashy stuff with yeah. it, you know, wallpaper and music. You actually had to put code in there, didn't you? Yeah. yeah, you had to do that kind yeah. of stuff, and then it would take a long time to up, uh, you yeah. know, to upload material. So I think there was this sense that it just didn't work quickly enough mm. for you know, the rate at which, you know, your average teenager's tastes and interests kind of change. Whereas I think Facebook was very, you know, it, it had a very, and still has a very generic kind of interface. Um, it was very straightforward to use. But I also think that it was the timing as well. Um, you know, uh, I think probably, you know, the majority of our participants are accessing through a smartphone. Uh, they're accessing, you know, through a tablet, through an iPad, whatever. So I think there's also the fact that they could get at it very easily. Um, a deeper integration into your everyday life because it's there all the time. On the exactly. Phone. Yeah, yeah. They're not having to wait till they get home and you know go to a shared PC or go to you know use the laptop in their rooms. Whereas with um, you know um, MSN and all that kind of stuff, mm. it the access to it was perhaps more restricted in terms of kind of parental controls other siblings using the technology so I think yeah so I think I think it's a bit of both yeah. really you know that the timing was very very good um, but also I think Facebook have been very responsive in terms of you know because I don't think that Facebook is much more sophisticated than it was when it started out in terms of its kind of basic functions. It it can on do the surface, it doesn't seem to be. No. no. So I think, you know, I don't, I, I don't, maybe that consistency was actually quite a positive thing mm. that it kept, you know, people just, it just kind of kept people interested. Um, I wonder if um, what you've discussed, um, the aspect, the, the, relation, the focus on relationship. Um, relationships of all kinds and mm. um, is, is perhaps one of the one of the reasons for that and this is what it made me start thinking about when I was reading your work 
because um, as you point out that the, the, the relationship status is, is one of the key mm-hmm. um, sort of biographical criteria mm-hmm. along with uh, occupation and, and where yeah. you studied in this kind of thing and it kind of made me think about and in the, the movie about Facebook the social network mm. which obviously isn't necessarily an accurate representation mm. um, but it's like the um, the relationship status um, the idea of having relationship status is this kind of big moment mm. presented this big moment and then the movie ends with him uh, kind of um, looking over, sending a, sending like a request, a friend mm. request to his ex-girlfriend, things, which I don't mm. think any of that's true, but it's like the relationship and relationship status is almost like the founding myth of yeah. uh, of Facebook, mm. um, and that is so much stronger there mm. than in something like MySpace. Mm. Like, I remember you could do a thing on there with like your top 10 friends yeah. and this kind of thing, but yeah. it, it wasn't as much, a, didn't seem to be as much about that, you know, mm. it was much more about music and, uh, mm. and, 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 and what your interests mm. are, I think. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, that, that um, you know, our, our participants have become more discerning about who their Facebook friends mm. are as, as they kind of, 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 you know, they've sort of got older and, and their use has become, you know, sort of matured and so on. Um, and I think that, you know, that their early Facebook use was, was very much about mimicking um, MySpace, you know, get as many people on as you can, you know, and but it also it was about, I think probably about about the the kind of periods that they, you know, the moment that they were in in their life, which was you know, um, so age thirteen, you just started high school, um, you know, you want to be seen as being dead popular, and you know, you're meeting all these new people and all this kind of stuff, and it's all really exciting. So I think it's it, you know, the number of friends. Um, perhaps mattered a little bit more then, but a number of them have gone through these kind of culls where they, you know, they're just kind of refining who their friend friend list is, and actually, you know, sort of thinking about what well, could that person be useful to <laughs> useful to me in the future? Is is that person worth keeping? You know, it might be someone I met at Camp America ten years ago, but um, you know, one day if I end up in the states, could that person be someone that I can hook back up with them? So, um, yeah, so, so I think, yeah, that, that, yeah, that kind of idea yeah. of sort of refining those lists. And of course, you know, the audience shifts and changes all the, all the time. Some people are really aware of that and, you know, are, particularly if they've got family um, members who are friends, they're, they're quite careful about what disclosures are made to who um, and have particular groups of, yeah. you know, Posts that are perhaps, um, you know, so um, users who have quite come from quite, um, you know, um, uh, a strong religious background and they don't want their parents to, you know, to, to get wind of the fact that they're in a relationship perhaps with somebody who's not from the same um, religion, that kind of thing. So there's some quite careful kind of management of those different, um, different groups. But I think also what um, there's a tendency to do is just to have those discussions somewhere else. <laughs> yes. And Facebook has become, you know, so num- you know, um, participants would talk about, oh well, I don't talk about that there because my mum's on Facebook or my dad's on Facebook or whatever. So, you know, they're doing that via some other um, yeah. social network site because, of course, Facebook's just one of many, yeah. um, you know, sort of places where they're having this. And I think that that almost quite kind of entrepreneurial construction of the self and, and often in relation to employment is kind of important. So I think in, the, in your work on relationships, mm. um, people discuss that in terms mm. of uh, 
actively constructing a profile which is about I think their, their kind of music their, their bands and uh, mm. all this kind of thing mm. or, or as in with the, the, the case of uh, doctors or student doctors that, that yeah. you mentioned as well um, construct in a certain way and what I was uh, quite struck by was how you know, a, a lot of what you talked, uh, you, you, you talked about with the participants was looking back over the past. Mm. They were, they were a lot of what they were talking about as well was forward-looking, looking quite a long way into the future. Oh, this might happen. But then, as you, you talked about it in the, one of the papers, putting themselves in the position of yeah. a, a potential sort of audience mm. or several audience potential members in the future mm. who may or may not exist. Mm. Um, and it was a, it's a really interesting kind of imaginative kind of uh, leap mm. um, as well there I think yeah I mean I think it, it you know it tells us a lot doesn't it about how embedded Facebook has mm. become in, in you know in these young people's lives and you know they're not envisaging a future without it um, you know we do ask oh. them about this you know what, what do you think is going to happen you know do you think your children might look at your profile what what's that going to be like you know and uh, and it's, it does slightly freak them out because you know they are thinking about the future but you know, it, this is, uh, and as you say, they are starting to think about other people. You know, sort of looking in, you know, into into their own profiles. Um, but of course, they do. You know, I suppose to some extent, they do do this themselves already because you know, if you meet someone, you want to, you know, what's the first thing you do? Go and have a little, you know, little nosy around their Facebook um, profile. If they haven't got a profile, they're completely weird, and you know, it's probably better off <laughs> not knowing them. Um, you know, there's very much that kind of, you know, that sort of discourse that, you know, it's a bit odd if they haven't got a, you know, if they haven't got a Facebook profile, that's a bit strange, because they, you know, there there is this, you know, sort of um, practice of just going back, go looking at their at somebody's profile and trying to find out a little bit about them and all, all this sort of stuff. Um, so, um, but you know, as, as, as I say, what you know, what we're quite, quite interested in is is these kind of trigger points that. Um, which you know whereby they're sort of thinking oh gosh I should probably have a look back over that and you know what if so and so sees that or you know what are they going to think of me if they if they see that particular um, image um, and you know I don't think any of our participants had actually scrolled back through their own data of their own accord a because there's so much of it and be that just takes a huge amount of their time but with it if there's not a purpose to that then there seems to be kind of little interest in actually kind of going back you know sort of over the stuff and I suppose that also an element of like oh gosh what am I gonna what am I gonna unearth there yeah, yeah I think it's better just not knowing yeah. yeah yeah and I think I think that about my own profile sometimes yeah. You know, going back to those early posts and just like, oh, no, so embarrassing. But then this is um, it. It's, it's going to be even worse for people kind of younger than us, mm-hmm. who possibly their first photos would be ones posted by their parents. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rather, you know, which, you know how bad that can be when it's mm-hmm. just coming out of a kind of a, a photo album under the, yeah, in, in a cupboard. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And if, you know, there's there's plenty of people who. You know, they they post a scan of their babies true, before they're yeah. even born. You know, so there's this kind of pre-birth sort of, um, you know, plenty of there's there's people writing about this stuff. It's absolutely fascinating, and of course at the other end as well of the uh, of, uh, of the spectrum. Um, but um, but yeah, I do kind of wonder, and I'm quite careful because you know I'm a parent myself, and you know I do occasionally post um, photographs of my son, but I also do kind of think, you know. Is he going to be okay with that? Is yeah. that okay for him? Because he will look back. I mean, you know, 
he's quite aware of what a Facebook profile yeah. is, you know, for me, or, you know, his dad are on, on our phones, you know, just messing about or, or doing research in my case. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, he's obviously sort of quite aware of that, but, um, but yeah, there's, it, it's going to be interesting to see how that, you know, how, how that works. And of course, Facebook was 13 this year, mm. so people signing up at 13 this year yeah. will have been born That's into a world. So they were born the year that Facebook was born. Wow. So, so that's kind of that's quite interesting as well, isn't it? Yeah. So, so they they are likely to have a pre-birth existence yeah. on on the site. So I think there's some really interesting work to be done there. Um, you know, with the, with that early, you know, those early teens and their perhaps their first years of using Facebook and you know. Do you get access to your mum's profile there, and then go back and see those pictures of you with, you know, a nappy on and all this kind of stuff? And you've you just started high school, you know, what's that, what's that going to be like? So uh, yeah, so it's yeah, really really bad. interesting. I think quite bad. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, yeah. Um, so um, but you know, I mean, there's people are still signing up. They're still, you know, there's I think over two billion users of Facebook now I think was it 1.3 billion are active day active daily users so it's still you know it it's still significant yeah um, despite you know all these there are these kind of discourses of flight and, and people leaving the site abandoning it and so on but yeah I think there's still plenty to uh, to explore great well, um, <laughs> thanks for talking to me. It's been really fascinating. No, it's um, a pleasure. Thank you. And um, maybe you can uh, catch up again uh, sometime later on when you've yeah. uh, got even further with this. Absolutely, yes. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. So that was my chat with Sean Lincoln. And if you want more information about that, you can go to my website, This Is Not A Sociology.blog. And as I said before, you can find me on Twitter at Chris H. Till. Um, next week, I hope to see you again. I'll be talking to Nick Pryor about his work on the impact of digital technologies on music and particularly on the advent of virtual pop stars. And on the note of music, um, the intro and outro music um, I've used on my podcast is Welcome to Video Game Island by Mole and the incidental stings are from Disco Stomp by Jonas78 and they're both used on a Creative Commons license. See you next time. (laughs) 